0: We finished uh, last time somewhere close to Matthew five thirty-two, and does everybody have a copy of the sheet? And uh, we are in Matthew five uh, thirty-three and following today, and we might get into the very beginning of chapter six, which would be nice. Chapter six, by the way, um, very soon becomes the Sermon on the uh, Not. I mean, uh, the uh, Lord's Prayer. So, next time, we. We'll begin the Lord's Prayer. I don't think we'll get through it though. We'll probably take more than a week to, to get through the Lord's Prayer. We'll just let it happen. There's plenty there to, to look at and so forth. Greetings, Good to have. Very, very good to have you with us. I'm glad we have a place for you. So um, where we begin with a topic of, of oaths keeping an oath, swearing, cursing, we're going to get into loving your enemy and giving to the needy. And uh, Luther makes a marvelous point here in his commentary on on the Sermon on the Mount when he reminds us that when you're looking at a verse like uh, turn the other cheek or an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and so forth, so many people get that uh, wrong and they get it wrong because they don't understand that there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of of the world where I'll just say magistrates and judges and courts must punish wrongdoing. But then there's the kingdom of God where we are told by Christ to forgive. And so which one is it? When you're reading the text, you can't always say this is about this kingdom or that kingdom. What you can do is say as I apply the text which kingdom am I in at this moment because who am I talking to? So am I talking to a brother or sister in Christ or am I facing a judge? Um, Am I talking to my kids or am I under discipline in my church for some reason? And what should I do? Should I expect, should I rather accept the punishment that's coming or can I object as I might in a secular court, for example? So keeping that in mind, We'll, we'll take a look at these. And uh, all, for some reason, I'm all of a sudden thirsty. Ah, what is that? What kind is that? Great. It's water? Okay, Mine is not. Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oaths, but fulfill your vows to the Lord. Fulfill your vows to the Lord is Leviticus 19.12. It's in Numbers 30 also. Um, so uh, fulfill your vows to the Lord. If you make a vow, keep your vow. Um, it might be better not to make a vow. But if you're going to make one, then keep it. If you're certainly going to make a vow to the Lord, keep it to the Lord. But the Pharisees, and we saw this in, earlier in chapter 5, the Pharaoh, Jesus is in, in many ways condemning the practices of the Pharisees. So as he says these things he will haul out what was wrong with the Pharisees and point out why it was wrong. So as we get into verse 36 and thir- or 34 and 35 evidently the Pharisees were saying, well, you could swear by heaven because that's not swearing by God, or you could swear by the earth because that's not swearing by God, or you could swear by Jerusalem Because that's not swearing by God. So don't swear using God's name. Don't use God's name. That's, you know, for the Pharisee, that's the boogeyman, right? Don't use God's name, whatever you do. Um, But swear by these lesser things. But the Pharisees would also say, if you swear by Jerusalem or the earth or by heaven, it's also a lesser oath. So you're not really so much bound to it. You know, if I make a lesser oath, then what's the big deal? That was the attitude of the Pharisees. So what does Jesus say? Don't swear at all. Don't swear by heaven. That's God's throne. So if they thought they were getting away from swearing by God by swearing by heaven, Jesus says, think again. Heaven is where God is. You're not avoiding God by swearing by heaven. And not by earth. Well, Jesus says that's his footstool. That's God's too. And don't swear by Jerusalem. That's the city of the great king. That's the city of God. So you're not avoiding God by saying any of those things. I mean, what if the Pharisee had come along and said, well, I'll swear by the Cottonwood River. Well, Jesus might have said, well, that's his footbath. Don't swear by that either. All of these things are the manufacture, the creation of God. So do you you think that the Cottonwood is the Lord's footbath? I don't know, maybe. I almost did a baptism there once. It was too cold. It was frozen. So we had to go to the Vogel instead. But I, that's another story. You, everybody else knows that story, I think, except you guys. But I'll tell you sometime. Okay. Remind me and I'll tell you. Thank you. Um, okay. Uh, so uh, do not swear by your own head since you cannot make one hair white or black. I was a, I was a poor, vulnerable, innocent I'm going to say no-nothing vicar, <laughs> teaching this chapter. And I read that verse, and I got 20 hands going up in the air, like, I can make my hair black. You know, uh, doesn't count. you know. That's, that's just coloring it. That's not the same thing. Um, but instead, make, let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Whatever goes beyond these is from the evil one. Jesus, of course, is looking at what's in the heart and not what's on the lips. Although what's on the lips reflects what's on the heart. Um, so uh, Luther points this out. And uh, it, Luther is a, is, a, is, a, is a wonderful read here in the Sermon on the Mount. He always is. But here, um, I just was delighted to read Luther last week about all of this uh, this weekend. Christ swears oaths as does Paul. God swears by himself quite often in scripture. Um, God praises those who take an oath in his name. And yet Jesus can say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, But again, it's about the kingdom that we're in. And especially condemning what was in the hearts of the Pharisees. These degrees of an oath. Can I swear by the earth or by heaven or by Jerusalem or the Jordan or whatever it might be? But... And and to a Pharisee, just saying yes or no didn't mean much. I have found that uh, when I still to this day talk to some people, if you just say yes and don't augment it with something, they it's like they don't believe you. No, I said yes and I meant yes. Yeah, but what do you really think? What are you waiting? Are you waiting for a string of profanity to come out of my mouth? I just mean yes, sure. You know, and that's that's all I want to say. Um, um, So don't swear any oath if you don't think that the oath is important. Um, uh, For example, uh, as we continue to talk about this, with regard to swearing an oath, can you swear an oath or should you avoid it? Well, it might depend on your circumstances in the moment. This is not situation ethics. This is just what is your context. For example, is there a command in the Bible not to kill or not to murder? Yeah. Is there also a command to kill? Who gets the command to kill? Say it again. The government. government. He doesn't bear the sword for nothing. So uh, last time we talked about three or four possibilities for uh, a way that a human life might be taken and it would still be God-pleasing. In a war that is just, in um, uh, a case of capital punishment, of an officer of the state carrying out his duty, such as a policeman, and then you yourself and maybe in self-defense. All would be possible. That would be a a command to kill rather than not to kill. The same is true of the command not to look at a woman with desire. Um, It's sure there's a command there. But is there also a command to look and take a woman with desire? Sure, who gets that command? Her husband. Yeah. And by the way, it's not optional for him. (laughs) This isn't one that he can say no to. You know, he has vowed an oath to do exactly this. My desire is for you and her desire is for him. Um, there is also a command not to swear and a command to swear Um, so Jesus says don't swear an oath if you're not serious about this don't do it let your yes be yes and your no be no but who let's go back to your catechism days who swears an oath James, say it again presidents or others in political office I think that Supreme Court justices, maybe vice presidents. I think Congress people and senators probably all take an oath. Governors take an oath and so forth. Sure, good. Who else? Witnesses in court. I've done that. Yeah. Who else? Judges. Judges, yeah. Confirmans. Confirmans swear an oath. Next year, Jameis? A couple about to be married. married. Yeah, excellent. Soldiers swear an oath also. In fact, that was how the chancellor of Germany trapped his army. Because soldiers uh, at that time, maybe still today, usually swear allegiance to their country or flag or constitution. Depends on the country. What did the chancellor do back in the 30s? Herr Hitler made them swear an oath to him by name. So when that happened, they were all trapped. Because even, see, that meant he could change his mind, and they had still trapped him. I mean, they they were still bound to him by oath um, uh, to do that. Um, There's a legend about one guy getting out of it by omitting all of the phrase, Heil Hitler, except for the last syllable, so it would sound like he was saying it, but he always just said the word clop. So, Heil Hitler, and he'd say clop. And it kind of sounded like he was saying it, but he wasn't. Anyway, it's just a, it's just a legend. Well, I don't know. I think it's also funny, but anyway. So the command to take an oath, or to, um, or to curse, What's the difference between cursing and swearing? What is a curse really? Call, down God's anger on call exactly, Joanne, calling God's anger or wrath down on someone. Wishing evil on someone or wishing disaster on someone is a curse. Yeah, but to swear is to call God as a witness. So that's really the difference between the two. And many of the foul language in our language are actually curses of various kinds. Um, Whether it's something fairly mild or something fairly vulgar. um, uh, Even um, many of us here remember happy days. What was the generic curse in happy days? Sit on it. Right? That was... It was just just kind of a meaningless, you know, it could have been horrific, but it was probably just a meaningless something from the 50s. Herb, you're about to say something. Well, I was just thinking, well, these people are in Israel, and they say, oh, my God, you know. Yeah, exactly. They're really calling on God because they saw uh, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. Now that's taking its name. It's taking its name in vain, yeah. 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 It's an expletive. And uh, somebody brought that up this morning. Uh, uh, one, of our, one of our members said, it's wrong to swear unless it's at an animal. That's a, a farmer who said that, you know. But, uh, but, but uh, you, don't need to, you don't need to use an expletive at an animal either. You know, you can use their name. You can grunt at them. And, and that may, maybe the best expletive is the word, oh, with nothing after it, you know, oh, something like that. Um, my most common expletive is probably, ouch. It's still an exclamation, right? Is it okay by itself? Ouch. I hope so. Um, but if I offend, I'll drop it, you know. My mother told me once that I was offending when I would say, and forgive me, Jeepers Creepers, I can already taste the soap. Because she thought that I was offensive when I said that. Of course, oh, never mind. I won't, I won't uh, cast any stones. But uh, But we'll leave it at that. But I was taught as a child not to even go that far. So, two kingdoms. The earthly kingdom with the sword. The heavenly kingdom with forgiveness. I want to call to mind something else here, which is... Uh, This from James. Do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you'll be condemned. Sound pretty much exactly the same? Yeah. And by the way, who was James? Jesus' brother. So, is this something that he heard at home? Maybe not even from Jesus. Maybe they both heard it from mom or dad. Um. I wonder about that and the things. There are other things in uh, in uh, James that match the Sermon on the Mount, and I sometimes wonder. No, certainly James was a uh, later in life after the resurrection. James was a believer, a disciple of Jesus, sort of after the fact. But could some of these things have been things that the boys both heard at home from from Joseph, from Mary? Maybe, maybe some of them. I think that they were wonderful parents. Joseph and Mary. I don't know how strict, but, uh, but marvelous. Maybe as close to ideal as you can get. I don't know. Well, present company excluded. All of you. Yeah. Love your enemies. <laughs> Anybody want to challenge me on that or should we just go on? You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's Exodus 21. It's Leviticus 24. It might be in Deuteronomy. I didn't bother to look it up, but it's, it's there. And uh, it meant if you're fighting with somebody and somebody loses an eye, the other guy loses an eye. This is what's, what you do gets done to you. That was, that was fair. Um, but Jesus says, I tell you, do not resist an evildoer. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also and what an unbeliever or a skeptic in scripture will often say is well Jesus didn't do this Jesus gets struck and he uh, 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 lashes out at the high priest happens to Paul too you know uh, but uh, 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 but again which kingdom are you in Are you dealing with believers or are you not dealing with believers? When do you do this? When do you take the punishment that's coming to you? Well, if I sin and I'm under church discipline, should I object and fight that discipline tooth or nail? Or should I accept the discipline? It's lovingly given. I shouldn't fight that discipline. If I uh, break a law... And uh, the, 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 if, I, if I'm gone from my home of Poinette, Wisconsin, <laughs> and I'm gone too long and forget that the maximum speed everywhere in that village is 20. And I've been living in New Elm for 20 years where the, where the usual speed is 30. And I tool down the, the main drag with nobody in sight but just a beautiful summer afternoon and uh, get pulled over for doing 31 in a 20 zone. Um, and he let me get above 30 before he turned on the lights, by the way. Uh, uh, should I accept what's coming? Yeah, I'm not gonna dispute that. You're, you're right, I did that. Um, it isn't every pastor who gets to look at a cop who pulled him over and, uh, and look at a former confirmand and smile and get a warning. <laughs> It doesn't always happen, but it occasionally does. Uh, But uh, not that I have a lot of run-ins with the police. But Those are both in the last 20 years. Um, But uh, if, on the other hand, you're wrongly accused uh, by a a human court, can you fight it? Sure. Sure. You would maybe be wise to do that. Um, But it's which kingdom am I in? Let's, yes, Aaron. So there, there are some instances where, for instance, Paul was accused of, yeah. of Gentiles at the time. Yeah. Well, Paul does, handles it a different way entirely. Paul, I, I, um, I think that Acts, the book of Acts, should be, should be titled subtitled Strange Pulpits. Because that's what Paul keeps doing. Every time he gets brought to anybody, he treats it like a new pulpit. You know what? Uh, oh, you accuse me of bringing Gentiles into the... You know what? Let me tell you about Jesus. That's, that's Paul all through the book of Acts. Ooh, I'm going to Caesar. The chains aren't quite heavy enough, but let me tell you about Jesus. You know that, um, so it's hard to use Paul as, a, as an example of what we should do other than maybe treat everything like a pulpit. See how far things get when the cop pulls you over. I'm glad you stopped me. Can I tell you about Jesus? I don't know. You might you might get a different might get treated differently for uh, for that one, but uh, but or ooh that'd be a good one. I'm so glad you stopped me. I haven't seen you in worship lately, sweetheart. Um, maybe that, I, I might not get the warning then. I don't know. if anyone wants to sue you to take away your shirt give them your coat too this goes back to the Old Testament practice actually of um, if someone owed you and couldn't pay you could take their cloak uh, because that's, their cloak is their blanket for overnight you know, that was on sometimes everything that they had in fact there is even a law in Leviticus um, where if you take someone's cloak um, and he's poor and doesn't have a spare, you had to give it back uh, before nightfall because that's all he had. So the, you, had to, you, you couldn't take it permanently. Um, but Jesus says, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Um, but again, two, two kingdoms, a worldly kingdom and a spiritual kingdom. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth is the world. Turn the other cheek is in the kingdom of, of God. Which should I do when? Might there be a time when I think maybe I might benefit the kingdom if I turn the other cheek in the world? Maybe. I don't know if I can come up with an answer, you know, an example, but maybe, maybe. But on the other hand, who is commanded eye for eye, tooth for tooth? Let's just remember that. Judges and also Um, to 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 a lesser degree, parents, my child has done wrong. I need to discipline my child. Maybe in my culture, I don't use a switch that's the same diameter as my thumb. You know, maybe in my culture, I use a timeout. Or you can't go out on Saturday night. Or you don't get the keys for the car. Or you have to pay for your own gas which today would be worse than taking the keys away, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, or something along those lines. But whatever the punishment might be, um, uh, uh, what is the crime, are the punishment worse than death? In Oh, you have to do the litter box. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a thrilling one too. We have three cats. Yeah, that's a serious offense, um, the litter box, but the spiritual... And then Jesus says you've heard it said love your enemy or rather love your neighbor and hate your enemy but that's Leviticus 19 If you never ever read Leviticus and and I'm going to just let you off the hook you don't have to read Leviticus okay If you're if you're going to go through your Bible and you want to whittle down Leviticus to one chapter let it be Leviticus 19 a lot of great things in chapter 19 it's a delightful chapter with a lot of insights to New Testament theology, okay? Although, why would you skip chapter 11 where it's the list of unclean animals and you get to read all the birds and stuff like that. And, and, uh. Have I ever told you that I coined a term with regard to Leviticus 11? Uh, do you know that? Scopophilic, yeah. Uh, the NIV, I have accused of being scopophilic. Um, so, yes, Jameis? Oh, I th- um, scop is the Latin term for owl. And the NIV seems to be owl-loving when it gets to birds. Because whenever the NIV translator doesn't know what to call a bird, it's another kind of an owl. Are there really 20 different kinds of owls, you know, in Palestine? I don't know. Maybe it's only seven, I don't. but still... It's, uh, they're just owls. And even in the context where it's like a heron, an ibis, an egret, and an owl? You know, in that, wouldn't that be another wading bird probably in the same verse? But anyway. Um, um, so, uh, anyway, Leviticus 19. That's the, that's the chapter I'd recommend that you read in Leviticus. But love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Is that Hemingway? The sun also rises? I think that's right. Um, that's this verse. Um, the, uh, what is he saying when he says the sun rises on the evil and the good, the rain rains on the righteous and the wicked? When you're in this lifetime, you still are in the time of grace. Um, So when someone persecutes you, pray for them. They still might turn. They still might come to faith in Christ. Pray for them. Um, They are still in the time of grace. Um, It's not easy to pray for those who persecute you. For a law reason, not a gospel reason, so I'm a little bit ashamed of it. I thought the ultimate, the ultimate um, punishment on Osama bin Laden would have been if we had converted his whole family to Christianity. I thought that would have really turned the screw on bin Laden. But, uh, I, but I, I don't think I was... Uh, Yes, please, get me out of this sentence, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> um, this verse always makes me a thing. You know, you think of persecution and sometimes you're actually a natural enemy. You know, mm-hmm. that's an extreme, those are extreme things, but it's also such a good one to apply to your human life, which is the people in your life who just love you. You know, the people that you are sure. getting along with, you are with them every day. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean, yeah. So and maybe that's not what this verse mm-hmm. is trying to Well Jesus uses an extreme, but it also includes all the things in between there and here. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just pointed out some of the flowers in between. That's perfectly fine to do. Yeah. 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 And and he continues. Indeed. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even tax collectors do that, don't they? You know, who's the worst sinner you can think of? He does that. What are you doing? That's such a great shake. If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even unbelievers do that? Sure. So what did, yes, Mark? Yeah, Father, forgive them. I think in addition to those, I think that prayer is for the whole world. Um, for me too. Uh, they really don't know what they're doing. But yes, yeah. So then be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect is Leviticus nineteen two. Many people for many people it's the only Leviticus passage they ever memorized. But that's, that's it. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. This is, of course, law. Um, it's impossible for an unbeliever to do. It condemns, but can it also be seen as an encouragement? exactly right that was that's exactly my point is that we i I would call this the third use of the law the law is a guide that's that's wonderful um in your sanctified living what's my goal what's my standard is is my goal to be theologically a d minus student or or should i try to be a b plus student and jesus says let's let's go to perfect here strive for perfection and no, I'm not going to hit that in my life. But once in a while, I might break the B plus, you know, plane. Uh, but be perfect. Strive for it as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, a couple days ago, I was reading um, The Imitation of Christ by Thomas a Kempis. I don't recommend that you read it. But I was reading it um, uh, for another reason. Um, because I'm beginning a private meditation on Lamentations. And there's a connection between those two things. And uh, and I, I, I realize as I'm reading it, he got all of theology wrong in his first sentence, which doesn't bode well for the rest of that book. Um, and it's not the first time I've read it. I read it as a student also, and I kept it. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll come back to this. And I'm thinking now, maybe I'm not going to keep this. Um, maybe into the recycling it goes, but... Uh, um, I'm surely not going to give it to the treasure house to let somebody else be led astray by it. But he basically would. And Akempis was um, a, a young Catholic monk who lived in the 14th century. So, uh, about the time that John Huss was smelling the smoke, is when Thomas Akempis lived. Does that make does that ring a bell in your head? About 100 years before Luther. And the um, uh, 1380s, I think, is when he died, maybe, but um, Akempis starts by saying, for those who would gain eternal life, strive to live the life of Christ. Ouch. I, I don't get to heaven by being like Jesus. I live my life on earth using Jesus as my, as my guide, but I get to heaven because of what Christ did. And he even... He's got four propositions throughout the book. It's really four essays. And in, 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 I think it's the fourth one is a special application to the Lord's Supper where he does it again. He, he just keeps getting this wrong. But uh, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect is not the way we get to heaven. We get to heaven because Christ is perfect. But we can strive to show that in our, imi- our true imitation of Christ. In our life. Yes? Is there any association with that uh, verse from the lip, Leviticus and the Pharisees? They were trying to be right by following all the rules. Oh, you mean, does, does be perfect reflect what the Pharisees were doing? Should they cited that as the reason for I, I'm not sure if they would have cited it, but certainly Jesus uses it as brimstone at them. You, you guys ain't perfect. You think you're following Moses, but Moses said this too. So yeah, thanks for bringing me back around to that point. And that's, and that's how chapter 5 ends. Is this, this third of the Sermon on the Mount ends with this piece. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Orleans, Minnesota.